0: What's going on Chuck Superfan? You are listening to Go Chuck Yourself and in this particular episode of Go Chuck Yourself, Aaron and I will be talking about Season 2, Episode 5 of Chuck, Chuck versus Tom Sawyer. If you want, you can send us an email at GoChuckYourselfPodcast at gmail.com. If you have anything that you want us to share on air, you have any questions about Chuck, just have a fun Chuck-related anecdote, feel free to reach out. You can also follow us on Twitter at GoChuckPodcast and hey, Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to like and subscribe. And hey, maybe even write a review. I don't know why I keep saying hey, but there you go. I think that's all I got for this particular one. So I hope you enjoy Chuck versus Tom Sawyer. Here we go. Try. today's tom sawyer mean mean pride those are lyrics that are sung in this episode hello welcome to go chuck yourself my name is chris gillespie
1: my name is Aaron arada and i do not know that song
0: Aaron, before we begin i have to ask and i want you to be honest was your first time watching this episode the first time that you heard the song tom sawyer by rush
1: well yes and the uh this time watching it was the second time i heard the song tom sawyer by rush it has not <laughs> showed up in my life since
0: can you name any other songs by rush
1: i can name the film ready player one in which rush is referenced heavily
0: this episode was very
1: similar to uh oh no i was thinking of big time rush
0: wait so big time rush is featured in ready player One*? no no
1: no no i was thinking i was i was back to trying to name a rush song okay uh are they related to the doors they're not are you a rush fan
0: uh, I'm not, but I at least have working knowledge of Rush okay, and the, I the members and some of the major hits, but you don't, but that's Absolutely fine. Absolutely not. You know what you do have working knowledge of though? The
1: Tom Sawyer? Chuck? My name? What? <laughs> <Okay>. This episode? <laughs> I was,
0: I was going to say the episode Chuck versus Tom Sawyer, which is what we we're going to discuss, yes. but okay, you good. also have working knowledge of your name as well. Yes, I do. Um would you like to take us into Chuck versus Tom Sawyer or yes. would you prefer to stick with your name?
1: So uh my name means uh, a jewel floating gracefully towards the shores of Ireland according to a baby book that my mom had when I was a youth.
0: According to a baby book that your mom wrote when you were born to make you <laughs> no, feel no, better. No, I mean like
1: a baby name book. Like it was like a book of baby names. I don't know why my mom had that. Did your mom have that? (laughs) I always assumed that every mom had a book of baby names.
0: Well, I think pre-internet, how else are you going to find out about names?
1: That's that's a good point. So that's what it means. But I think also it just means Ireland. Anyway, let's go into the episode.
0: Great, I would much prefer that.
1: So Chris teed me up nicely for me to say that when I saw this episode title, I could not wait to watch Chuck square off against our old friends Tom and Huck. I was all geared up for some innocent childlike wonder that we would experience, but the episode in fact begins with a close-up shot of some boobs. But you were excited, Chris.
0: Okay, so this is a very <laughs> bad transition. However, I remembered this episode very well and I remembered the title, so I was excited to watch this one because it was, I recall it being one of my favorite ones from the first time I watched it. Good Whether to know. or not I stand by that assessment, you have to stay tuned. Um, but I did remember this episode and I was not confused about what the plot was going to be.
1: So that's kind of how I felt about the reunion episode. So the, the boobs and the women they're attached to are a part of a flashback sequence to 25 mm-hmm. years ago when Jeff, who has a mustache and a mullet, defeated a video game called Missile Command. Is that something you know about? Yes, it is. Okay. So that's something Chris knows about, not something I know about. I refer to it originally in my notes as some kind of video game called Missile Command? So uh, now I know that it's real because I googled it. So uh, Apparently, uh, defeating this game made Jeff worthy of being interviewed by the news and receiving the attention of several bikini-clad women uh, as an expert on Missile Command Chris, is that something that uh, would warrant that kind of attention?
0: Uh, I don't know anything about any kind of community surrounding Missile Command. I just know Missile Command because I have played Missile Command before. I did not know that it was such a cult phenomenon.
1: Okay, well, apparently it is, at least uh, in Southern California in the 80s, or whenever Mm -hmm. this is 25 years ago. Um, The news anchor asked Jeff what's next for him, and he says he hadn't really thought about it. We move forward to the present where Big Mike is telling Jeff and Morgan to light a fire under Chuck because he's late. Meanwhile, Chuck is waking up in bed wearing a name tag that says his name is Francois and a fake mustache. He Mm, He removes his spy related items and puts them under his bed in a converse shoebox, which I thought was a nice detail. He almost forgets to remove the mustache. Luckily, Ellie and Devin do not notice and instead offer him a delicious looking smoothie. Chuck does not appreciate this movie, even when Devin tells him it does wonders for your wang energy. That's the that's the part I skipped over so much, but that's the part I wanted to highlight.
0: I uh, at this point, I realized that uh, Ellie and Awesome were not in the previous episode. Chuck versus the Cougars. Yeah, that was um,
1: trivia information. They were they were there when Chuck looks on the video camera, but they were uh, not speaking.
0: Right. And I was kind of sad that they weren't in the previous episode, but then Awesome said the thing about weighing energy. I was like, you know what? That was okay. I'm glad we had that little break. That was okay. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm glad we get to continue with the trend of Devin being very into uh, Chuck's sex life.
0: Well, he's a doctor. He's it's okay yeah, to talk true. about those things yeah. with him.
1: It's it's very funny because I. I don't know if I like it better imagining that Devin like he only uses this kind of language at home and at the hospital. He's like very precise or Mm. if he's like examining someone and he's like, hmm, I don't I don't know about your weighing energy today, sir.
0: (laughs) Sir, I have to tell you, your weighing energy is dangerously low.
1: (laughs) So Ellie asked Chuck where he was last night since he came home so late. He tells her he was playing what sounds like Grand Theft Auto. Um, I'm not. I don't necessarily need to repeat what he says, but he does use the phrase "smacking up hookers," which I thought was not cool. I thought he could have uh, referred to it differently. I think he could have left that part out of the description. He could have just said stealing cars and going on joyrides, but uh, he, he he committed to the bit. We're reminded via their nagging that Chuck had told Ellie and Devon he was going to backpack across Europe and move on from the Bymore. Unfortunately, now that he's the only intersex again, he's back to his lackluster daily grind. Also, unfortunately, Ellie and Devin don't know why Chuck's big plan suddenly went off the rails, and they're not so subtle about expressing their disappointment. But
0: I, I, I will say, good for them. I was standing by Ellie and awesome.
1: Okay, we're gonna we're gonna fight about this this episode
0: because I'm thinking. Why? What did happen to Chuck's big plans from their perspective? He's, you know, he made all these promises and he just fell into a rut again. And I appreciate them holding him accountable.
1: Yeah, um, I see what you're saying. But I also just like, I don't know, I feel like they could be a little bit less. uh, I don't know. They're very aggressive about it. Yeah,
0: But they've been not aggressive for years. And that's how Chuck got into his current situation. So they need a little bit of tough love.
1: I guess. I guess that's true. But I think and also, to, I appreciate uh,
0: this because it also reminded me of a, a, a superior episode of Chuck. However, oh, continue. We'll
1: get there. Um, so, as Chris mentioned, Chuck can't tell them why his plans changed. So, they end up uh, leaving the conversation at that. At the Buy More, Big Mike has brought in an efficiency expert named Emmett, who comes from corporate. I, um, right before this, wrote the note Oh shit, Emmett is here so soon. I was excited to see Emmett, and uh, as my note indicates, I did not know that he came into the show in this season. I thought that he was a later addition, so I was excited to see him. Emmett's role is to evaluate everyone's performance and trim the fat. He's basically uh, a replacement for Harry Tang. He, that's basically the character that he is, except mm-hmm. he is not Asian and he uh, does not have a hot wife that we know about.
0: He, he does a hot lover so He somewhere. does
1: reference a hot lover, but I don't know if that lover ever shows up. He steals a bag of... Jeff's chips which Jeff is eating at the time and we saw him buy from the vending machine earlier in the episode which is theft I I did not approve of that action of Emmett's
0: Emmett is played by Tony Hale
1: yes as the is the actor someone who is a is, man character actor
0: he, he's in Veep oh. he's in Arrested Development and he's Buster from Arrested Development
1: oh okay I do know who that is I, I remember seeing him. This, this is not going to be a fun story, but I remember seeing him in a show and I was like, why does that guy look so familiar? Who is he? And then I was like, oh, he's this character from Chuck. So Tony Hale. we're treated to a fun montage of Emmett interviewing the employees that we know and none of the others as, as usual, I guess. Uh, Jeff says he's there because his dad is part Native American. Lester tries to bribe Emmett with a $5 bill. Morgan offers to buy Emmett a soda, and Anna sort of flirts with Emmett. We see his notes on each person. He says, Lester is an ass kisser, Morgan is untrainable, and Anna is a prostitute. Um, that's that's not chill, Emmett. I, I wasn't I wasn't so, uh, so amused by that, but everyone refers to Chuck as the leader and the one that holds the team together. Emmett is not impressed that Chuck is late.
0: But we do. I was impressed by all of the cool acronyms that we learned from Lester, um, such as wwcd oh, yeah. which is what would chuck do uh and then another one which is wwcdn wonder what chuck is doing now
1: I like that too that's uh that's something that I often wonder
0: Yeah dude I'm always wwcdn
1: I wish we knew what chuck is doing now maybe that yeah. movie that they sometimes promise will come to fruition someday Yes. So when Chuck finally does arrive, Morgan introduces him to Emmett. Unfortunately, right at this moment, Chuck flashes on one of the buy more shoppers who's a global terrorist named Farouk Bulsara. I I ask you if I'm saying that right because it, I learned from uh, trivia that it's Freddie Mercury's birth name. So I apologize if I mispronounced it, but uh, this character is named after Freddie Mercury. So that's cool. Oh, I that? thought it
0: was. Was it Farouk?
1: Well, that's probably what it is, but. I, the spelling is F A R R O K H. So oh. it's not, I did
0: not make the connection. I did see uh Bohemian Rhapsody, so I didn't know that, but yeah, I did that's make what I was saying. Take that Bohemian
1: case. Rhapsody. This episode got there first. The,
0: I the connection that I had for with the lead singers and um this this actor whose name is um Farhan Tahir. Yes. Uh he I thought he looked like the lead singer of the band Disturbed. So okay. throughout my notes I was thinking of him as the lead singer of Disturbed.
1: I'm I'm now wondering uh, why didn't they uh, name him if they were going to name him after the lead singer of a band why did they name him the lead singer of Rush? Uh,
0: because the lead singer of Rush's name is Geddy Lee.
1: Okay, all right, I guess I okay whatever. Um, Chuck runs to alert Casey, but Fruk stops him and holds up a picture of '80s Jeff, who we recognize from the beginning. Who kind of looks
0: like Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys in my opinion
1: you're just making references to how all these people look and i do not know how they look or what their names are i just know some of their music
0: that's okay dan auerbach and patrick carney carvey carney
1: what a nerd i know all the names of the members of big time rush we got logan we got kendall we got carlos we got the other one
0: they're probably poised to make a comeback right just like the joe bros
1: Probably. I mean, they weren't as popular as the Joe Bros. let's be real. Chuck manages to get to Fruk to leave, but he's confused what anyone could possibly want with Jeff. In Castle, Sarah and Casey tell Chuck he has to hang out with Jeff and get to know him better so he can try to find out. While they're briefing him on his mission, Ellie comes into the orange-orange, so Sarah has to run upstairs to greet her. Ellie says she wants to talk about Chuck, so Casey switches off the camera and tells Chuck it's not polite to spy. It's kind of a fun line, because Casey mm-hmm. is a spy. We, unlike Chuck, see Ellie express her concerns about Chuck's future to Sarah by asking if she knows about any plans that he may have. Sarah misunderstands and says Chuck has plans that evening with Jeff. Ellie is alarmed by this and says it's time they had a talk. I know you're into this. Uh, you're into Ellie's, like, tough love here, but I thought this was weird and I didn't like it.
0: Um, yeah, maybe this is overstepping a little bit. Yeah. But also, if someone, if your sibling, imaginary sibling was going to hang out with Jeff socially, wouldn't you be concerned? <laughs>
1: I, I, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, yeah, actually, definitely. I feel like there is an implication here that no one talks about, where, like, Chuck uh, started to do better and then started again to do worse while dating Sarah. So I feel like it doesn't come up, and I don't know if it's on anyone's mind, but, like, are they thinking that Sarah, who also has, like, a kind of lower, uh, lower on the totem pole job as the proprietor of a, a frozen yogurt shop, are they thinking that maybe it's partially her fault that Chuck isn't doing well or that he's decided not to go to Europe? Like, why doesn't it come up that maybe, oh, he has a girlfriend who he loves? Maybe that's why he doesn't want to travel and do, like, move on from his job that's not across the street from her, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Well, to that I say, Sarah, don't give a shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true. So Emmett stops Chuck and they have a brief and awkward conversation, as we mentioned, about their love lives before Emmett asks Chuck to sit down for an interview. Chuck blows him off again, and instead goes over and invites Jeff to get a beer. Jeff reveals he has a ferret, unsurprising. So Chuck suggests that they hang out and drink at the Bymore. That's uh, that's pretty typical for this show. But I don't uh blame Emmett, who finds out about this later, for being upset with that. I feel like that's pretty reasonable.
0: Uh, absolutely, I was glad that someone is finally holding the Buy More staff accountable for hanging <laughs> yeah. out and drinking after hours in the store.
1: Yes. So we uh, move on to a scene of Emmett speaking into a voice recorder where he says he's found no sign of intelligent life at the Bymore thus far. Meanwhile, Jeff and Chuck are in the home theater room, and Jeff plugs in a video camera to show that he has not abandoned his habit of filming women without their consent in the previous season, as we'd all hoped. Instead, he's uh, upped those efforts and made a music video to gross vid- videos and pictures he's taken of Anna without her knowing. Great.
0: Yes, as we listen to a song by Air Supply.
1: Yes. So, Chuck uh, requests an extraction, but Casey refuses. As Chuck and Jeff begin shotcoming beers, Emmett emerges and comments into his recorder about the violation of store policy. So, again, I I think he has a point here. I think that's uh, reasonable.
0: Yes, very reasonable.
1: Chuck broaches the topic of the guy who came into the Biomore looking for Jeff. Jeff says it must be one of his fans and pulls out a VHS tape that he apparently keeps with him at all times. I'm not really surprised by this. Like, I feel like he would if it's like the best moment of his life. But also, uh, this was a funny detail. As he's putting it into the VCR, Chuck prays that it's not a porno. I liked that joke.
0: I like that too. That was funny.
1: It's not. It's the same news report that we saw in the beginning. We see the CEO of Atari hand Jeff a trophy and Chuck flashes on him. I, I commented here. Is it weird that they're allowed to use Atari? Like, that's a real thing, right?
0: It is a real thing. But they didn't use the logo anywhere. Okay. I don't th- I don't think it's weird that they used it.
1: Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. Like, it would be because I was reading about it and it said the name uh, is, let me find where I say his name. It's uh, Mar- Marimoto, I think, is his name mm-hmm. in the show. Um, it's a reference to the CEO of Nintendo. So I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting, but it wasn't the name of a real uh, CEO or member of Atari, I do not believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know. a, lot of,
0: a lot of the Atari stuff is fast and loose, as I will uh, as I will mention a little bit later on.
1: Yes. So the bad guys show up at the Bymore, and Casey rushes in to help Chuck get him out of there. Um, Casey does not want to take Jeff with them, but Chuck convinces him, and they escape out the back. Meanwhile, at the apartment, Ellie is expressing her concern about Chuck's lack of motivation to Sarah. She asks Sarah if she has anything to worry about, and Sarah says that Chuck is like a duck paddling along. It's kind of a weird <laughs> line, but then she amends this <laughs> by saying he's a mature and responsible guy. Right at that moment, Chuck comes in with a passed out Jeff over his shoulder. Ellie is not impressed by this, but I think it could be construed as mature and responsible because he's helping a friend who's clearly in need. And also he's preventing a potential drunk driving issue. So I like I don't know why Chuck like Chuck isn't wasted or anything. Chuck just Mm -hmm. gets blamed for the fact that Jeff, who we already know is drunk all the time, just happens to be drunk at this time, too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think Ellie should show a little bit more uh, should be a little bit more impressed with Chuck's initiative.
0: Also impressed with his physical strength, because I don't think Jeff doesn't (laughs) seem like that light of a guy, but Chuck just has him slung over his shoulder like he's like a shopping bag or something. I was wondering how he did
1: that. I was wondering if it was like actually Jeff or if it, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't, but.
0: Jeff, of course, is wearing his drinking pants. I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) We all have them.
0: We do. We all have them.
1: Mine are those, uh, my Marvel pajama pants. Ah, yes. Very fond of those.
0: Nothing can come in between me and those Marvel pants. Nothing.
1: That's i don't like that i don't like that at all
0: speaking of things that people don't like ellie and devon wake up the following morning uh, and find that jeff is still asleep in their living room on the floor passed out drunk uh, chuck is apologetic of this they're upset uh, jeff wakes up and he's confused and he hands a business card to ellie that says hello my name is jeff and i'm lost and then on the back side of the card it has his address this is a nice touch i like that Uh, i also
1: like that he says i'm supposed to give this to you like as if it's happened so many times and he like that's that's how he addresses it
0: i think that is the uh suggestion is that this happens a lot and that he needs to have a a card for it i think perhaps maybe hmm i don't know is it insensitive how they turn because jeff is clearly an alcoholic (sighs) and exhibits a lot of signs of alcoholism i feel like they make fun of the alcoholism a lot
1: uh that uh i think that there are some uh problematic aspects of jeff's character and this this is one of them that is uh maybe a sign of an illness that should be addressed and then i think there's also the obvious uh creepiness and sexism of his his character which is also treated as a joke so there there are some issues here but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i would i would agree with you there
0: (laughs) Well, at least we are diagnosing something that two actual doctors, two actual fictional doctors cannot <laughs> I know, diagnose. That's, a, that's
1: actually even a better point. Like his, his fellow employees maybe wouldn't uh, would, would just be like, oh, that's crazy, Jeff. But these these two doctors, they don't care.
0: Yeah. You think Ellie would know the, the sure file signs of, you know, rampant alcoholism and yeah. be more concerned. But she yeah. doesn't she just doesn't want Chuck hanging out with him. She's not yeah. super concerned about what Jeff does in his yeah. personal time um they kick jeff out of the apartment to go get a cab ellie confronts chuck about the direction that she perceives his life going in at the moment she really wants him to graduate from stanford so that he can move on with his life uh because apparently he needs a college degree to move on with his life i I
1: guess so i I guess they say only he said they say he's 12 credits short is that would that be one class or would that be one semester It, it was four credits right was each class
0: for us it was four credits yeah okay
1: so, I mean, I don't know how Stanford works. Obviously, I don't know how Stanford works, but yeah. Obviously,
0: you could have if you went there, but you didn't. I know didn't. if I so, did, yep. Yeah, if you did. Yes. Uh, Ellie also says something to the effect of, you know, Chuck, you should live every day like it's your last. And then uh, Chuck says the world is not ending today, given that we know that the theme of this episode is ballistic missiles. Perhaps this is foreshadowing of some sorts. Back at the More, Chuck and Jeff touch base, and Jeff, admitted, uh, Jeff admits that it was a pretty standard Tuesday night for him. Uh, once again, because he's an alcoholic struggling and no one will help him. <laughs> Morgan and Lester watch this interaction uh, from a distance, concerned that their respective best friends are now hanging out together, making them obsolete. Sarah enters the buy more um, and weirdly waits for Jeff to finish what he's saying to Chuck before pulling Chuck aside to tell him about the <laughs> national security threat. She's very respectful, which I appreciate, but also Sarah. A little bit more urgency could have been okay uh sarah pulls chuck aside to tell him about the intel that she and casey got on morimoto the atari game designer who created missile command and as chuck phrases it commands actual missiles uh basically this is how it goes back in the 80s morimoto launched a satellite into orbit uh in conjunction with the japan armed forces they put a satellite into orbit that was supposed to be civilian but actually contained a ballistic missile which is dormant, but is still potentially live. And if anybody found out how to launch the missile using access codes, they could use it and aim it wherever they want and start a major uh, war. So...
1: That all sounds also... right. That's uh, that's You have a much more thorough understanding of what was going on than I did. I was like, oh no, a bad, bad missile in sky.
0: Bad missile in sky, that's right. <laughs> they just hand Chuck a piece of paper that says bad missile in sky. And he's like, oh shit, a bad missile in sky. While they're briefing Chuck, they also show him a photo of Farouk, who was seen hanging out uh, outside of the Atari office earlier in the day. The only way to secure Morimoto is to break into the Atari headquarters, which is apparently in Southern California. Um, it's actually in Sunnyvale, which is near Jose uh, San Jose. Okay. Which, I correct me if I'm wrong, is kind of a hike from Burbank. Uh,
1: I don't know what that is, so... Yes.
0: San Jose is outside of San Francisco.
1: Hold on. I'll, yeah. Yes. That is very far away. Would
0: that be a day trip or is that a multi-day trip?
1: Um, you could do it in a day, but it would be like you would. I think it's like six, six to eight hours to get to San Francisco from here.
0: Ooh, that's a, that's a haul for them. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe they could have done that.
1: Farther than Palm Springs.
0: So anyhow, Sarah says that security will be tight because apparently a lot of people at Atari are trying to, I don't know, steal the latest version of Centipede. Um, Sarah asks Casey what the plan is, but Chuck says that he has an idea. Cut to outside of the Atari headquarters in Sunnyvale. Both Chuck and Casey are wearing nerd herd uniforms and carrying briefcases. Chuck tells Casey that he has deliberately sent a nasty computer virus to Atari. So the plan is that chuck and casey will go to atari under the guise of helping atari get rid of the virus what is the appropriate verb for solving a computer virus is it solving is it curing
1: uh beating fixing
0: Uh, beating
1: i should i should know this because every single day of my life i get ads for the fact that my virus software has expired on my uh on my pc no one no one send me a virus please
0: Okay, we'll we'll go with solving. Uh, Chuck and yeah. Casey are greeted by two engineers who laugh in their face. Apparently, Atari does not have a receptionist. They just have people working all <sighs> over the place. There's two engineers that are working on a desktop modem at the front desk. Uh, Chuck says that they're there to help with the virus. And then they laugh them away. The engineers do because, quote, Atari has more PhDs than Microsoft. So take that, Microsoft.
1: I, I think that... Uh... I don't, I don't know i mean atari and microsoft are not too different i feel like they could have said something else that has many phds
0: i'm starting to think maybe this is a whole episode is a underhanded joke at atari because atari has been struggling with bankruptcy for decades and would probably does not have more phds than microsoft i don't think they're that successful
1: hey, this is the kind of uh, insight that chris Gillespie we can offer no one so, else could say this
0: when they are not permitted access into Atari, Casey decides to go with plan B, which is to call Sarah in and Sarah is dressed as a sexy nerd herd associate and atari like many tech companies is a male-dominated workplace which is useful in this situation because everyone stops what they're doing and stares at sarah as she walks in allowing chuck and casey to sneak up the back stairs as sarah listens to the unfriendly engineers from before explain that their issue the issue that they're having uh while also being flustered that there's a pretty girl nearby
1: yeah so this is a uh, example of uh television programming having a lot of uh having a clear effect on a young Aaron because this is the kind of outfit that I thought was the like epitome of cool and I was like I have to wear like a like whatever she's wearing like a short skirt and heels and like a button-down shirt but it's like cropped I was like that's it that's that's what's cool that's that's the look that I want
0: and a tie
1: and a tie Oh, oh it's so cool it's like this scene is bad but it's like The outfit is so cool. Like I still my uh, my 10 year old, my 10 year old brain that I haven't quite left behind is just like, yes, that's the look, Sarah.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Once Casey and Chuck get to the penthouse floor of the office, because I guess office buildings have penthouses, uh, they realize that the door is locked. So Casey runs off to try to find another way in. Chuck stands guard near the door to the penthouse. All of a sudden the door opens and Farouk walks out (gasps) amused to see Chuck the same nerd from the Buy More. Farouk walks away, locking Chuck in the penthouse. Uh, Chuck explores the penthouse, which is massive and is adorned with all kinds of Japanese movie and TV memorabilia. The room is very smoky, and we hear the faint sounds of Tom Sawyer by the band Rush playing. Uh. Bing! Boom! Chuck eventually finds Mr. Morimoto standing feverishly playing an arcade version of Missile Command, cursing himself. Mr. Morimoto tells Chuck that he hid the access codes for the satellite missile in all of the arcade console versions of Missile Command. He says that he hid the codes on a hidden level at the end of the game. It's called a kill screen, and it's so difficult to reach that only he can access it. So if he's viewing it, that means, I mean, he's the only one that can access it. So he thought it was a safe place to put it. I don't know why you would put A code for a nuclear missile in uh, arcade games that are getting distributed around the world. Seems like not the best idea. Like, maybe just put it somewhere safer. But he decides that the most safe way to protect this information is to put it in a video game that only he can access. He says in order to get into the right headspace to reach the kill screen, he needs the music of the universe, which is apparently Rush's Tom Sawyer.
1: Of course. Bing! Not the music of my universe, Chris.
0: Casey drops down from an air vent with his gun drawn at Morimoto. Chuck realizes that Farouk already has the code. So Casey and Chuck Chuck ask Morimoto why he's still playing Missile Command, at which point they realize that there is an explosive attached to the back of the arcade console that will explode if Morimoto stops playing the game or loses the game. Morimoto tells them to save themselves, and Chuck and Casey run out of the penthouse. Just as they exit the penthouse, Morimoto loses the game, causing the explosive to detonate. Casey and Chuck are almost fried in the explosion. However, the elevator doors close just in time.
1: That was very intense. Like, that's a lot of weight being put on those elevator doors, and I'm glad they shut on time, but it was very tense.
0: It was very tense. It was a close one. It was a close one for sure. For sure. Back at the castle, the gang speaks with Beckman. Beckman tells them that she's going to have the... A uh, counter-strike team of the Air Force shoot down the missile satellite before it passes over California. She says that this is the best way to stop the missile from launching, even though it will entail, quote, an acceptable number of civilian casualties. Chuck is upset and asks what the other options are. And Beckman and Sarah say that the other option is that the counter-strike team uh, misses the satellite and Farouk uses the missile to start a world war. This is why we need Space Force.
1: What's Space Force.
0: All right, open the newspaper, Aaron. Chuck tells them that... Is that
1: Elon uh, Musk?
0: No, it's not. Chuck tells them that Morimoto hid the missile access codes in every game of Missile Command, so if they can get a different console and beat Missile Command and get to the kill screen, they could get the codes and take over the satellite before Farouk launches the missile. Casey asks Chuck how they're going to do this since Morimoto, the only person who could reach the end of the game, is, quote, burnt to a crisp. Chuck says, I was talking about Jeff, and Casey says, so was I. Is
1: it what is burnt like an expression for like drunk or like burned out like what what does this mean here
0: yeah i think so okay
1: all right it's like
0: sure. brain dead like just
1: yeah i mean i guess up. it would have been harsh if they called marimoto brain dead
0: <laughs> he's just fully dead his brain yeah. and everything else yeah Beckman agrees to let chuck explore his quote contingency plan while casey coordinates with the air force either way she says she's taking that missile down yes <laughs>
1: I love Beckman. I was just thinking about how she's she's great. She's a woman in power. She is. She's so powerful. I love her.
0: Back in the More, Chuck has to try to convince Jeff to come out of his Missile Command retirement. Jeff is reluctant, saying that he's fine to rest on his laurels. Chuck says Jeff is the only one that can reach the kill screen, and Jeff says that the kill screen is just a myth. Chuck assures him that the kill screen is real and that Jeff needs to try to get to it. At this point, Jeff asks why Chuck cares so much about Jeff playing Missile Command. Uh, Chuck does not tell Jeff that there is a missile aimed for California. He instead decides to tell them that the other night when they were drinking, when Jeff was blacked out, he gave a very compelling speech about being sick and tired of working at the Bymore and wanting to share his gift with the world. Of course, Jeff did not say this. However, Chuck uses the fake speech to inspire Jeff. This plan works as Jeff agrees to play Missile Command again. But first, he says he needs some provisions.
1: What are those provisions, Chris?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked. So Jeff shares his missile command rider with Chuck and Casey. So here's some things that he needs. He needs his certain lucky console from a certain joint in another town in California. Uh, He needs a lot of M&Ms, no brown ones, and in a move that is somehow both sexist and racist. He demands that he needs Anna to uh, wear a hula skirt and fan him with a palm leaf while he plays.
1: Excuse me while I vomit
0: so at this point i wrote down are anna and morgan still together at this point point? and i find out the answer in a little bit and i in the
1: worst way possible
0: uh jeff also says that he wants to get a crowd of all of his old fans to which casey says quote people who used to play this game are in their 40s now they have jobs kids lives to which chuck silently shakes his head behind jeff letting casey know that these are not things that missile command fanatics have in 2009
1: i really liked that that was good
0: chuck wheels in jeff's lucky console And as he's doing this, he encounters Morgan and begs for his help. Morgan, feeling underappreciated by Chuck since Chuck started hanging out and obsessing over Jeff, says that he does not want to take part in it. After all, Morgan says, what happens if Jeff doesn't beat Missile Command? The world's going to end. Stop saying it, everyone. You're going to jinx it.
1: We should just we got to take that phrase out of we got to put it in retirement
0: chuck apparently has inspirational speeches on the brain because he gives morgan another inspirational speech uh talking about how awesome and cool morgan is in order to win morgan back over he talks about how morgan was a uh a head was the president of his audio club in high school and also toured with mama mia for four years i, I liked like a that roadie.
1: detail it
0: was an interesting detail yeah. i was like oh, i didn't know morgan had the skill set <laughs> um So more significantly, Chuck also asks to borrow Morgan's girlfriend, uh, Anna, to which Morgan gives immediate and indefinite approval because his girlfriend is his property.
1: Yeah, it was it was so good. It was that was so funny. I love that.
0: Uh, We enter an 80s montage as we see Jeff getting psyched up uh, by watching his creepy Anna photo slideshow. Uh, Morgan is supervising the audiovisual and light team to set up a big stage in the Biomore. And Lester is posting about Jeff's return to Missile Command on message boards. And the word spreads quickly through the Missile Command community and people from all walks of life, mainly the white middle-aged man walk of life, fled into the Biomore (laughs) in droves.
1: In droves, man.
0: In droves. Moments before Jeff takes the stage, Chuck is watching news coverage of the event on one of the televisions mounted on the Bymore wall. Let me break this down. A television news team picked up the story about Jeff playing Missile Command and came down to the Bymore where they are broadcasting live. And <laughs> rather than just watch the news reporter talk in front of his face, Chuck decides to watch the reporter who is standing five feet away from him on a television.
1: These kids and their screens. What do you what do you say? What are you going to do?
0: Anyhow, Chuck flashes on the TV and realizes that Farouk and his terrorist buddies are controlling the missile satellite via a nearby broadcast news station. I want to take this moment and ask Aaron, do you remember that whole plot with Tony Hale that was going on at the beginning of the episode?
1: I, I do now that you reminded me because
0: it seems like everyone else forgot about it at this point in the episode.
1: Yeah, it's not. Where And where's Big Mike?
0: What the hell is going on? <laughs> The stage is set, literally and figuratively, for our team to stop the missile. Casey is tasked with pressing a button that will launch the Counter-Strike missile at the satellite in 33 minutes um, using a football-like satellite with nuclear codes and keys and buttons and things like that, while Sarah is tasked with going over to the television station to stop Farouk. Casey asks Sarah who she trusts is going to stop the missile, the Air Force, or a burnt-out loser playing a video game, and Sarah says that she trusts Chuck.
1: Hell Yeah!
0: At the Bymore in front of a crowd of cheering men, Jeff takes the stage and the Missile Command console is unveiled. Upon seeing the console, the past 20 years of Jeff's life come rushing back at him and he becomes overwhelmed with nerves and anxiety of disappointing his fans and being a loser. He says that he can't get to the kill screen. It's too difficult. He then announces that his brain feels heavy and he passes out, leaving no one left to try to beat Missile Command.
1: I think Jeff is Jeff seems to be dealing with a lot of like mental issues. I think he really needs help.
0: He really needs help, and he really needs good friends, and he has neither.
1: So Chuck panics about the idea of World War III and or acceptable civilian casualties. And uh, while he's trying to revive Jeff, uh, along with the other uh, Morgan and employees of the store, he calls Ellie, suggesting that she and Devin get out of town as soon as possible. Ellie doesn't understand and suggests they talk about it when Chuck gets home. He says he has to go, but he tells her he loves her. Ellie is concerned and thinks Chuck might be on drugs. Devin agrees that this would explain a lot. (laughs) (laughs)
0: i appreciated that
1: yeah nothing the buy team does wakes up jeff so chuck decides that he must take a crack at the game i i found this a little bit disappointing because i wanted jeff to have like i guess maybe i'm sympathetic towards jeff because i wanted him to have that redemption arc Mm. and it felt like just a little bit like i know the show is called chuck and not jeff but i just felt like a little bit cheated because i just wanted jeff to do something good
0: I agree. I was also looking forward to Jeff having a moment in the spotlight. And I feel like the only way or the the only moment that they hint that Chuck also played Missile Command was like earlier in the episode, Mm -hmm. when Chuck finds out that Jeff is an award winning Missile Command player. He's like, Oh, I was also good at that game before. And that was the only time that Chuck mentions it. Chuck's the hero of the show. So he's gonna have to do it. But yeah, yeah, it would have been nice if Jeff was able to do that.
1: Yeah. Um, a moment that I liked is when uh, Morgan is kind of like the MC of this event, so he pulls down the microphone and he says, ladies and gentlemen, and then he's, there's like a pause, and then he's like, or, you know, gentlemen, and I liked mm. that a lot. I thought that was funny. crowd is about as enthused about Chuck stealing Jeff's thunder as Chris and I seem to be. Um, they are, meaning they are not, they wanted to see Jeff, and instead they are seeing Chuck, so there is a lot of heckling going on, but Chuck begins to play the game anyway. And as he's doing so, we watch Sarah break into the TV studio. Meanwhile, Emmett enters the Bymore from somewhere else. I don't know where he was or like, I, I don't know if he had gone back to corporate or if he was at lunch or if he just left. I don't know. It seems like he's not doing his job either. Maybe but, he
0: was working a night shift. So he was coming in at like three.
1: Yeah. Okay. So he asks who authorized the game convention, which is another valid question during the (laughs) workday. Chuck loses the first round of the game and is heckled by the crowd, but one of the men's shirts uh, reminds Chuck that (laughs) Marimoto was listening to Rush. Chuck realizes that the game's mathematical pattern is exactly the same as Tom Sawyer, which is something we learned early in the episode, but Chuck just realizes it now. I don't really understand any of this or what what that means, but Chuck does. And also, uh, I am assuming that the author of Ready Player One and or Steven Spielberg saw this episode of Chuck because the plot is pretty much exactly the same. Is it really? It's very similar because there's like the same thing. I mean, maybe this is like an idea that like people have had, but there's like, you have to play this like really old game and get to like a secret Easter egg kill screen at the end so you can get the codes so that you can... And there's like a big thing with Rush and there's like all this all this stuff. So it, it was it was weird similarities
0: mm, yeah i feel like it's kind of a trope of yeah. you have to beat this game to get to a lost level and yeah. whatever i feel like that's definitely a trope
1: so chuck asked morgan to play the song and i get to hear it uh in all its entirety
0: it's not the entire song
1: oh, okay well i wouldn't know morgan suggests that he owns a zune which i was very excited <laughs> to see on screen with my own eyes did you have a zune I feel like no. you had a zoom. Okay. No, I My don't friend have a had a Zune. You,
0: you only joke about me having a zoom. I don't actually have a zoom.
1: Okay, well, uh, that I wanted... was just
0: your delusion being projected into real life. Way to go. I wanted
1: to see the zoom, but Ben uh, Morgan says he was just kidding, of course, and he plugs in an iPod. Mm. The song begins. Immediately, everyone is amazed with Chuck's prowess. Meanwhile, Sarah beats the shit out of some bad guys at the TV studio. We have a lot of intercuts between the satellite, the video game, Casey preparing to blow up the satellite, the missile, Sarah fighting, etc. It's actually... I th- like, I didn't see that this uh, episode won any awards for editing, but I thought it was pretty sick. Sarah manages to beat Farouk in a fight and demands the codes, but he says they were destroyed and no one can stop the satellite now. Sarah asks what the satellite is aimed at, and Farouk says it doesn't matter because no one will remember who threw the first stone. Which was, like, a pretty, like, philosophical. Like, <laughs> damn.
0: Yeah, pretty heavy. Yeah, it's valid. Yeah. Certainly valid.
1: Certainly valid. Um, Chuck is still getting some support from the crowd, but the most uh, heavy supporter of Chuck is the man in the rush shirt. I guess he's excited to hear his favorite song, Tom Sawyer, but that was, that was nice. Right as Casey is about to fire at the satellite, Chuck gets to the kill screen. The game assumes that he's Marimoto and gives him the code, which looks like any old CAPTCHA or license plate number. <laughs> uh, chuck frantically calls sarah and takes a little bit too much time to explain how he beat the game sarah tells him to give her the code and he does he struggles to come up with words that start with each letter of the code about as much as i did the other day when i was on the phone trying to change a flight i kept <laughs> i i couldn't think of things so i kept being like b is in bat and they'd be like p is in cat, and i'd be like oh no what do i do
0: that's i that's why on my work laptop i specifically looked up the like military standard like what word they oh, use really for that smart. kind of thing. And I yeah. kept it as a post-it note on my computer.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's, I could, uh, I could,
0: he was using some of the actual ones. Oh, um, that's cool. It's interesting how they did it. I guess they did like studies of what words people most associate with which letters.
1: That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Check it out sometime. What is the B? What's the B? Yeah. Bravo. Okay. All right.
1: Turkey bacon Bravo. That's that would be mine.
0: turkey bacon bravo over and out
1: be like b as in turkey bacon bravo and be like what
0: (laughs) b as in turkey bacon bravo (laughs) the first letter of the second two words what is so hard about that
1: so you know anyway they they stopped the satellite from firing in case he doesn't have to shoot the missile sarah asks Chuck how it feels to be a hero he looks out at the crowd of nerds and they all cheer for him and lift him up on their shoulders it reminds me of the time it was two in the morning and I was in my college dorm and I got to 1024 on 2048 right as a car full of cheering people <laughs> drove by my dorm. It was very exciting. It was basically the same as this episode.
0: Did that translate into you getting to 2048 or is that as far as you got?
1: Well, I mean, I eventually got to 2048, but no oh. one cheered when I did it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. It was a big loss. It was fun. I, I beat it once and then I was like, well, check that one off the list.
0: Do you I know we're almost we're towards the end of the episode, but I have to ask, do you think that there are different versions of 2048? And if so, do you think that some are easier than others?
1: Do you, do you mean like people have made their own versions with like pictures of things? Or no, I do
0: not. What I what am saying mean? that if you go to the app store and you search 2048, there's going to be a lot of different versions of it. And I'm wondering if some are have easier algorithms than others, like some you might have a better chance of winning at, whereas others might be more random and more difficult to win.
1: I mean, that makes sense. I feel like the original version is always going to be this, the same, but I feel like probably some like beta versions might not be. Why? Do you have information about this? Why are you asking me this?
0: This is just something I wondered from 2048 oh. Mania because I played it on my phone, but I also had it on my tablet. And the version I had on my tablet was the one that I won on, but it wasn't the one on the same one as my phone. I felt like the tablet one was easier.
1: Okay. Well, I know, like I remember uh, one of my friends had one that was like Tom Hiddleston's face and it was like picture, it it was different pictures of Tom Hiddleston that you could combine to make other pictures of Tom Hiddleston and then you would Mm -hmm. do 2048 that way. So I don't know if that algorithm was different at all. But it makes sense that like if it's not the original version, it doesn't have the exact same programming. So maybe.
0: Wow. Okay. (laughs) I'm so misplaced. Where are we in the episode? (laughs) Where
1: are we? Uh, it's the next morning, and Big Mike reveals that Emmett will be staying on as assistant manager to whip everybody into shape after they had a party that destroyed the Bymore during work hours. <laughs> I think that's valid. I think all of this is valid. I remember watching this and being like, "Oh man, like, the, what, what, like downers? They're like ruining all these people's fun." Like, but I think I think everybody uh, thus far, like, maybe Emmett's a little bit of a jerk, but I think they're all being reasonable. <laughs> this is their job
0: true it is a place of business not of fun that's what i say every day when i walk into my office (laughs) this is a place for business and not for fun
1: yes so uh chuck and jeff have a heart to heart where jeff says he's glad it was chuck who beat the game that makes one of us uh jeff says he never wanted to be number one because it feels like the whole world is gunning for you chuck relates to this jeff asks what the kill screen was like but then changes his mind Chuck salutes him, and it's kind of a sweet moment where I think that Scott Krinsky is a really good actor, and I wish he didn't have to be creepy sometimes.
0: (laughs) You wish that he didn't have to be creepy all the time?
1: Yeah, okay, all the time. But it's, I mean, it's like, it's tough with, like, comedic actors because, like, this is part of his character and part of what makes him, like, I wouldn't say he's charming, but part of the character they've created is this kind of bumbling guy. But I do like Mm. the moments when Jeff gets to be, like, have a little bit of emotion or have a little bit of an arc. I have a sensitive I've, guy. Yeah, I felt that way about Lester. I haven't yet felt that way about Morgan, but uh, <laughs> I think that is uh, on the show and not on me. So Chuck gets home and Ellie says she's so proud of him. Chuck thinks she's talking about the video game, but actually she's talking about some mail he received from Stanford. It mm. Apparently contains his diploma.
0: Ooh. What?
1: Chuck is confused until Ellie and Devin say that Sarah told him he has been taking online courses this whole time to finish his degree. So, Ellie's really proud of Chuck. Devin tells Chuck Sarah is waiting for him out back, which is honestly the biggest twist of the episode because we learn that in addition to the two large bedrooms, huge living space, nice kitchen, and gated courtyard, the Bartowskis also have a back patio. So no wonder it's so expensive. Chuck thinks Sarah must have had someone from the CIA make a Photoshop diploma for him, which I don't blame him because she made that really bad Photoshop picture of them at Comic-Con. Uh, but Sarah says it's actually real. She says she and Casey appealed to Stanford on account of Chuck's fieldwork, and Stanford agrees to use this towards his last 12 credits. Which is really nice.
0: Which is really nice, but also they have connections at Stanford, as we know from Chuck versus the alma mater. So maybe the, like, the... Um, What's the word I'm looking for the uh, academic services person or the uh, the registrar also has ties to the CIA so maybe it wasn't so much of a, a wholesome you know just a couple of government agents just let me have this Chris credits. just
1: let Chuck have this <laughs> Sarah points out a star that is actually the Air Force destroying the satellite. <laughs> she tells Chuck to make a wish because it's his star. I, think, I don't think that's how making a wish on a star works. And I actually always held the belief that if you accidentally wish on something that's not a star, like an airplane, you're cursed forever. So uh, Chuck, Chuck is cursed now. Based on the fact that he looks at her, uh, Chuck probably cursed himself wishing for something to do with Sarah. There's a very creepy tradition where we have a shot of the sky that turns into <laughs> Jeff's hair. It was really weird, <laughs> but he uh, he returns to the empty store and missile command. He's ready to play, but not for an audience this time. He's just playing for himself. He says, "Hey, bud, let's party." And the episode ends as Tom Sawyer plays again. It, it could have not been Tom Sawyer because I wouldn't know. But I think uh, it was Tom Sawyer. Okay, I'm assuming. So that's uh that's the end of the episode.
0: <sighs> wow, what a roller coaster!
1: It wa- it was one.
0: It was crazy. We learned so much about Tom Sawyer. We learned so much about Rush.
1: Yes, we did. Uh, But it uh, is, uh, as we speak, it is disappearing from my brain. If you played Tom Sawyer for me right now, I would not know what it was.
0: Well, I'm glad you bring that up. That's actually a great segue for my new segment that I'd like to introduce. Speaking of things that are quickly disappearing from your brain, uh, in the spirit of this episode, Chuck gets his college degree. I thought that we could do a new segment called Aaron and Chris use their college degrees (laughs) uh as you've said things are quickly vanishing from our minds so before they vanish completely let us use what limited knowledge we have um today's discussion will be the use of tom sawyer the song in this episode okay. and how the themes of the song relate to the themes of this episode and or series in general okay so to for us to begin here's a quote from neil pert who's the drummer and lyricist for rush i would like to start with this to frame our conversation Tom Sawyer was a collaboration between myself and Pie Dubois, Bois, an excellent lyricist who wrote the lyrics for Max Webster. His original lyrics were kind of a portrait of a modern day rebel, a free spirited individualist striding through the world, wide-eyed and purposeful. I added the themes of reconciling the boy and man in myself and the difference between what people are and what others perceive them to be, namely me, I guess. Uh, and that was something that Neil Peart said in 1985 to the the Rush Backstage Club newsletter. So. With that said, who do you think is Tom Sawyer in this episode of Chuck?
1: Oh as opposed like would you say it's Chuck or would it's Jeff or I guess are those are those are our two options
0: they could those are the ones that came to mind but you could also present a different option It
1: could be Emmett because Emmett is trying to do what is right oh. for the store but yeah. Uh... Having
0: struggles. He, he's a modern day rebel.
1: He's a modern day rebel. But he's
0: he's not really going through, he's not really a free spirited individualist. He's more of a, you know, he's going against the grain, but he's also confiding to the structure and the form of the company.
1: And yes. he's not really wide eyed. Yeah, I mean, so he's, really he's, he's purposeful, but yeah. yeah. I would say much like uh, Chuck realizes that there are some similarities between him and Jeff. I think there are uh, similarities uh, in both of them to this song. Mm hmm. I think that the episode itself would suggest that it is Chuck that is the modern day Tom Sawyer who is uh, trying to overcome uh, his, his rebellion. I don't know. I don't know, man. You, you seem like you have something to say. so go No, ahead. I was
0: thinking I was leaning towards Jeff being the Tom Sawyer of okay. the episode because I think that in a way he is sort of an idiot savant mm-hmm. in the way that he is seemingly very bad and burnt out and drunk all the time. However, mm-hmm. he does possess this one skill that he's excellent at, um, that he's passionate at and gives himself meaning and fulfillment. But a lot of people don't appreciate that or acknowledge that. So if you're looking at him from the outside, you think he's just a loser or that he's a Tom Sawyer just going through the world Mm -hmm. wide eyed and, uh, you know, not being purposeful or that he's a man child, different things like that. Um, But I think when you look at it in, in the final scene, the closing scene, we see that this other side of Jeff of who he is when no one is around.
1: Uh, yeah i think that's a good point i think how he uh, perceives
0: himself is different than what other people perceive him to be
1: yes i would say that chuck learns like through the fact that like he knows that he has this skill set that he's not allowed to tell ellie and devon and how they kind of view him as like maybe this character that's like going through the world and not having a lot of purpose but then we as viewers know that chuck has this Mm -hmm. so through that experience maybe chuck realizes that he can relate a little bit more to jeff who is also like having a a similar thing but to a larger degree because he actually is not working for the cia that we know of
0: Mm -hmm. all right i think this is a good conversation
1: This is good. Yep. I
0: feel like we like the professor just handed out an assignment sheet and it was like write about like get they give us a list of characters and you can choose which characters you want to tie into the song. I feel like you went with the Chuck route and I went with the Jeff route, but we also we both had like valid points.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: That's that's what I think.
1: Um, I'd like to offer some information for us. I I will reiterate that this is not the segment interesting information because that good is good lord. This married. information.
0: <laughs> Better not be interesting, because if it's interesting, <laughs> interesting Lord help me, Aaron. Lord help me. You were so cavalier about getting rid of interesting information, <laughs> and now you have just buckets of interesting information that you need to share all the time.
1: I have so much. So here's all right, the first so bring one. Bring on this that
0: is, boring information.
1: This is just a goof, but it says Missile Command was released in July 1980, and Tom Sawyer wasn't recorded until October, November 1980, so it would be impossible for the game to follow the same pattern as the song.
0: Ooh. Damn that's, it.
1: you know, that's a goof. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting is that this episode as well apparently has a reference to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which you will remember from Chuck uh, versus the Cougars. Uh, mm-hmm. The character Mart Rackner was a reference to that film. Apparently, the uh, Jeff's flashback at the beginning is almost identical uh, and shares several lines with a scene in Fast, time, fast oh. Times at Ridgemont High. Um, there's also a, the fictional Stu Stu Brewster is the news anchor in Chuck, and it substitutes for, um, an actual Stu Nahan, who is an actual person who's in the film. Um, I, I will be clear here that I have not seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, so all of this could be a lie, but according to Wikipedia, that film closes on a close-up of Missile Commands the End screen, and that is also what happens in this episode of Chuck. Really? And, uh It also says that the line uh, Jeff's line, "Hey bud, let's party," is uh, the ending line of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hmm. So uh, I don't I don't know a lot about that movie other than that Cameron Crowe was involved and in that there is a busty woman. But uh, apparently, all of all of this is we're uh, visually referencing that. So. Very on. interesting. Yep. I didn't know that. Not interesting. Don't I'm say sorry, that. Sorry. It, it wasn't
0: interesting. I I hated that and I hated listening to it. And I wish I didn't know it because it was so boring.
1: So uh, why don't, why don't we move into uh, speaking of boring? Why don't we move into Chuck Mary kill?
0: Great. That, that would be awesome. Chuck Mary kill is the part of the show where we announce one part of this episode that we'd like to marry and one part of this episode that we would like to kill.
1: I will go first with my Mary. I would say that um, I did reference this in my recap, but I really loved the editing of the final scene. Chris is making a stabbing motion, <laughs> Right now. Um, I, I assume you agree.
0: Yes, we will have to be in a uh what is the phrase? Um
1: polyamorous?
0: Polyam- polyamorous relationship with this Tom sequence because that was also my Mary.
1: Yes. I thought it was very cool. I liked how we saw like all these all these different things, and there was like overlays of like the missile I command screen and like the actual missile. Yes. Uh so yeah, okay. Polyamorous yeah. relationship. I'm fine. I'm fine with that.
0: There was a lot of visual puns if you will between like missile command and the actual missile yes. and then i think tom sawyer has a good rhythm to it and is a good sound for the like, action sequence. So too. it's the music of the universe yep um so i i think that was probably like when i think about this episode being a highlight for me when i first watched it i think that is the sequence that i thought of because i really liked that sequence mm-hmm. before and i really enjoyed it
1: yeah it, it was um, really good
0: yeah it was cool i think that was a, definitely a highlight
1: yeah what would you kill
0: Mm, i think we probably have the same kill i would imagine is it
1: everything to do with anna yes yeah yeah i thought the video was really gross morgan's comment about anna being all chucks was gross the hula Uh, thing was gross it was just all gross
0: it was bad i thought that we had seen the worst of it in the first season but i guess it's continuing into this i know i really am
1: wondering if it's like gonna get better or if we were just at a point in time when this show was out that like they didn't have to make it better
0: I guess not. Because I remember,
1: <sighs> like, I remember some stuff in season five with Morgan that's like not good. So it leads me to believe that they don't progress. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I also I had like a mini kill because I figured that oh, you were okay. going to say that yes. the Anna thing was your kill. Yes. Um, it's much smaller than the racism and sexism. <laughs> but I noticed uh, if you look at the desktop computers at the the nerd herd station mm-hmm. in the Buy more mm-hmm. why, why? Is the drop shadow for Nerdherd so far away from the text for Nerdherd? You'll have to keep an eye out. I would, yeah, In future know. episodes, but like, if you think of a good drop shadow, it's like slightly behind the text, right?
1: Yeah. Like the a shadow, shadow would be.
0: Right, but the Nerdherd shadow is like on the bottom third of the screen, even though the Nerdherd text is like in the center. The shadow okay. is like all the way down. I'll it makes to, no sense. I'll
1: have to look for it. That's that sounds crazy.
0: I've seen it before, but this is the first time I can articulate my yeah. my my disturbance by it.
1: Well, I'm glad that you have this medium in order to articulate that. So
0: I'm so glad I have this medium.
1: This whole show has been worth it.
0: We were, Hey, we reached the kill screen of this show. <laughs> we, we, we're the only ones that we can get to the Let's end of Let's give
1: them the secret code. We have uh all right, what, here it is. The Ber- not Bernard.
0: Turkey bacon, Bravo. <laughs> Turkey, bacon, Bravo. We are moving on to the scooter scale where we rate this episode. Zero to five corn dogs in memory of scooter at the wienerlicious. Um, would you like to offer your corn dogs?
1: I would love to offer my corn dogs. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I, okay. I enjoyed the episode. I um, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as the reunion episode. I know we had differing feelings on that, but I thought mm-hmm. that uh, the editing was great. Um, I liked a lot of the plot. Um, I liked it more than Ready Player One, so that's that's good. Uh, so yeah, I will I will give it four corn dogs.
0: Nice, nice. I'm going to give it three out of five corn dogs. Oh, no, I thought um, you were going to
1: give it more. Maybe I should give it less now.
0: Well, I appreciate the use of Jeff in this episode mm-hmm. um, and like the attempt to kind of give him a little bit more depth, even though it's like really not. And is kind of like mm-hmm. we said, some of it is kind of like dark and not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I appreciate how quirky and offbeat all of the arcade stuff is. I like the retro video games and the, the Rush soundtrack, yes. I think is cool. Um, especially when it's blended with all the high stakes and the espionage and the danger and the actual yeah. missiles. Um, the Anna stuff and the bikini model stuff oh, in the no, beginning really, yeah. really bothered me. Oh,
1: wait, but you, th- I'm, I'm dropping mine. I'm dropping mine at
0: 3.5. Okay. I also appreciate the closing scene where Sarah helps Chuck graduate college, but yes. I felt like it was kind of forced. I think it would have been more meaningful or poignant if that plot line was more established throughout the episode i feel like you kind of get hints of it with ellie being like i want you to graduate college and he's like i don't know (laughs) um so just giving him the degree at the end kind of felt unearned a little bit even though he did just prevent world war three
1: yeah a lot of this felt unearned for chuck like him stealing Jeff's thunder and like yeah i think yeah you're right
0: And then also introducing Tony Hale in this episode was another strange element. I feel like he's a significant character, but Mm -hmm. they introduced it at the beginning and then it dropped away for most of it and Mm -hmm. then came back at the end. Um,
1: Well, I'm sure we will get a lot more of him.
0: I'm sure we will, but I like this episode, but I just felt like it was like three different episodes blended into one.
1: Yeah. So you're saying it did not hold up to to your memories of it?
0: No, it was not. I was expecting that it was going to be like an awesome episode and it was not. That's that's
1: a shame. It's okay. It happens. Yeah, it happens. That's what this show is all about. So you're We're at 3.5? Your yeah, I'm than a little bit more than a little bit of a record that because we of a little
0: why did you say that in a way that makes it seem like we don't record No, what I we're mean saying? like
1: okay, I, I as I was saying it, we are we are recording audio, but we are not keeping track of our scores.
0: You're being very suspicious right now. We yes, we record audio. That's if someone's <laughs> listening to this, it means that we recorded audio. You're making it seem like we don't record audio.
1: I meant like record like like you have a Google Doc of our scores on each episode.
0: You think I don't have a Google Doc? Do you? What, did I, of each what did I score episodes? on
1: Season season 2 episode 1.
0: I don't know. I don't have a Google Doc. <laughs> it
1: was probably like a four. You know, I've heard all, all fours.
0: You're like a lot of fours. I'm more like low score or like a five. I don't really, you know.
1: There's no in between where Chris Gillespie is concerned. I don't know what that I don't means. Like, I don't know
0: where the, the direction where this is going in, but Aaron's being a little too saucy for my liking. So I'm going to sign off reminding you that food is sexy. I've been Chris Gillespie and I hope to see you next week.
1: You hope to see them next week or you hope to see me next week?
0: Uh, I guess I hope to, I, well, no, I hope to see the listeners, but they never show up. So I'm forced to see you.
1: Well, uh, I am, I was going to say, I'm Chris Gillespie. This is
0: Chris Gillespie. Uh, Chris,
1: Chris Gillespie. I am Erin Arada, and I am thinking about the fact that when this episode ends, I'm going to eat some pasta with sauce. So it is apparently made me saucy. So uh, I am Erin Arada letting you know that anything is possible.
0: She also thinks food is sexy, apparently. I do, yeah. All right, we'll see you later. Have a good one. A modern-day warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. na
1: na 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 na, na. Is that
0: part of the song? <laughs> See, this is how you um, avoid like copyright. You just you just do it yourself. Although his mine is not for rent. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.